When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, y'all, guess what time it is? It's the Grolic Saves the World time. All right, the Grolic Saves, saves the, world. the World. That's right. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. We're getting big. Our worries, our mixed test has to change. the Grolic Saves the World. We're getting big. Our worries, our mixed test has to change. the Grolic Saves the World. We're getting big. Our worries, our mixed test has to change. the Grolic Saves the World. Hello. Welcome, everybody, uh, to the Grolic Saves the World, but a little bit different this time around. I'm Adam Caton Holland, and with me is my buddy, Andrew Orvidal. Introduce yourself. It's me, Andrew. I wasn't sure who was your buddy, because there's other people that are that are on here. So, <laughs> If you ever are in doubt about who's my buddy in a group situation, it's you number one, and I need Ooh. the other people on this call to know that. Wow. Okay, Andrew, huge. You huge. number one. So you're my buddy. <laughs> you're here with me. I'm thrilled Ben Roy is not here today. I'm thrilled about that. And with us, chiming in occasionally is our producer, Ron. You want to say hi, Ron? Hi there. Hi, everybody. Um, we're trying something new this episode. We want to do, listen, all these episodes, it's just us spouting bullshit. We don't really know facts at all. We just think we do. Ben's like, I saw a documentary five years ago. Here's some things from it. And we're like, that. no one knows if that's <laughs> legit or not. So we figured, let's try a new thing. We're, we're toying with names, but we're basically the Grolics get the facts. Right, Andrew? Is that the yeah, name? The Grolics get the facts. The Grolics... Get their shit together. The Grolics go legit. The Grolics uh, interview and an expert. Something, yeah, something in that vein. So All right. enjoy it. First installment. We did a plastics episode uh, you recently. May have heard it. Yes, it was, it was very. And people were depressed. Yeah, and with the the feedback we got on it was that it was depressing, and we agreed. Yeah. Um, but as we mentioned in that podcast, we know someone who knows a lot about this shit. What we kept hitting upon is recycling. And so we thought we'd bring in our friend Will Hancock, who works in this field and can give us some hard facts and maybe make us less depressed. So, Will, welcome to Grolix Get the Facts. How are you, bud? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Glad Hell to yeah. uh, glad to kind of gloss over some of the bullshit that uh, Ben was placing <laughs> in the world. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, please, I feel please like don't it... <laughs> stop eating fish. You're going to kill a lot of economies. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, they're just they're paranoid conspiracy theories most of the time, Will. It's just him in his basement sort of parroting shit he read that day. <laughs> so wh why don't you tell people what you do? So I am... I'm the stationary sales director and I oversee the sales of large commercial grade recycling equipment, but I'm also a consultant to many different industries in recycling. Uh, my main focus currently is construction and demolition waste because about 60% of what we send to landfills is new uh, construction. And if you look around Denver, you see all the cranes, you see all the uh, new buildings going up. There's a lot of material that comes off of those job sites that has um, high value and can be recycled. So um, I'm actually working on a project right now where we'll be building a C&D recycling facility at 60th and Broadway in Denver. What's C&D? Construction and development? Constru construction and de uh, demolition material. Sorry, I, ah, got it, I, got it. I'm so used to using monikers. I forget when I'm talking. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Sorry, yeah, Adam didn't I know. know. Sorry. Yeah. 
<laughs> Listen, <laughs> ACH asks questions. So, but I also, so I work for a company called Comtech Americas and uh, I, I run a subdivision called Plexus Recycling Technologies, which just essentially sells equipment that complements the Comtech Americas line. Comtech is a company that's based out of Austria and they build um, all kinds of equipment. They have shredders for landfill reduction. They have compost turners, uh, plastic separation for compost, um, screens that segregate and separate the material into different sizes. So when you go to Home Depot and you buy a bag of compost, uh, most likely it was ran through a piece of equipment that I, I sell. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Are there any, are there any robots involved? Uh, there, there are, um, it just not so much in the organic side, but I sell a robot, uh, manufactured by a company called Zen robotics. They're based out of Helsinki, Finland, and, um, they use, three different kinds of um, technology. They use near infrared, which sees color on a much larger spectrum than the human eye. They use um, a high resolution camera. We have a 3D laser that maps where everything is on the belt. And then we have metal detection underneath the belt too. So we can tell the difference between different alloys of metal. Uh, so we can sort copper, tin, brass uh, from other, other wow. types of metal. And then we have a fast picker, which utilizes uh, what's called a Venturi system. So you're essentially forcing air to a single spot and then creating a vacuum. And that's mainly utilized in single stream recycling, which is everything that you put in the purple bin here in Denver. Well, <clears throat> can you have sex with any of those robots? Not yet, but we are close. <laughs> we are close. I feel like that fast oh, yeah. picker is what's going to be chasing us in <laughs> yeah, the future. Ten years sure. from now, there'll be a fast picker trying to, trying to get you in an alley because they've yeah. been... They think that we need Kids, to be recycled. Get inside. It's coming down the block. <laughs> the, it's a fast the heavy, picker. <laughs> the heavy picker uses a pneumatic gripper that's metal, oh, so you God. don't want to get near that. That's gonna oh, that's Jesus. gonna leave some scars. All that's right. terrifying. Okay, well, don't play near the heavy or the fast picker. <laughs> no, but I also design, engineer, and build large scale recycling facilities all across the country. So that's I'm I, I dabble in plastics. I dabble in single stream. I dabble in compost, construction and demolition waste, uh, municipal solid waste, MSW, and Pretty much anything that is recyclable, I, I've worked in the field for about 13 years now. We should also Great. point out that Will is like such a, a important part of the comedy community here in Denver. And oh, I thought you were going to say tall and handsome. Festivals. I was like, yeah, he's tall well, and he's handsome. He's tall and handsome, yeah. but he's like, a, <laughs> he's, he's not just a recycling wonk, guys. He's a cool, rounded he guy. He helps with High Plains. He helps with the High Plains Comedy Festivals. Uh, he's a great, great dude to have around. And I'm so glad that you have this area of expertise to fill us in because I'm very curious about it. And you you brought it to the purple recycling bins, which I think is where a lot of people can sort of relate. I don't think most people know about, you know, industrial recycling. You heard our episode. Yeah. It was very hard for us to go a day without using plastic. Obviously, we know plastic is an issue in, in the world. What can we do? And, and I think any person who's just a normal citizen, their first line of defense is like, well, I recycle. So I'm doing my part. Is that true? How much of what we throw into these purple bins is being recycled? Yeah. And and how can we do it better? Like I have, I have specific questions, but I'm curious okay. macro what you think about that. Can I preface Adam's question with just a, a, a little bit more vague question? What happens to the shit that we put in that recycling bin once it leaves our house? I want yeah. to take a tour of a, a water bottle's life once I dump it into that <laughs> okay. recycling bin outside my house. So... So everything that you put in the purple bin go uh, gets collected by a truck and goes to uh, one of multiple um, material recycling facilities. They call them MRFs in my world. But essentially that material gets collected. It goes to a facility that has equipment that I sell. Uh, it may not be mine because there's many competitors that I deal with, but 
Uh, if it's not yours, it ain't fucking worth the time. Yeah. Okay, I'll just say that right okay. now. And I agree completely. Uh, but that material goes into a facility, gets dumped on the ground, and then it goes across. Um, it gets put into a bunker. That bunker then feeds a recycling line. And from there, it gets it goes across what's called a ballistic separator. And what a ballistic separator does is it separates two-dimensional material from three-dimensional material. So any cardboards, papers, uh, textiles, anything that's in there that's two-dimensional and has light density goes one direction. Anything that's heavy and has weight, like your plastic bottles, your, your tin cans, uh, your laundry detergent bottles, anything that's in there that has any kind of weight to it bounces backwards. And then there's holes in the paddle that collect the fines the smaller res- residual material that, you know, it has value, but it goes to a different processing line. So from there, then it goes across what's called the two dimensional goes across what's called the fiber line. And that fiber line is trying to get the number ones and the number two papers. So that's like your newspapers, anything that's like, like newspaper value or your office papers, things of those, those will get put into a bunker and then it goes into what's called a baler. And what a baler does is it just compresses everything into a cube and then that cube's put onto a truck and then that truck takes it to a paper mill and that paper mill turns it back into the paper that you're reading. So most of the newspaper that you read is hundred percent recycled paper. That's cool. Gross. So if you ever see office paper, that's a little bit more like it's not white, it's not bleached white, that's recycled paper as well. And then any of the cardboard, because we are in the age of COVID and Amazon, cardboard has jumped increasingly in price. So cardboard used to be down around 90 bucks a ton. It's now $160 a ton that somebody like waste management can sell back to the paper mills. So the package you get in the mill, if you recycle it, is going back out to become a package again. Yep. Yeah. And Amazon is heavily invested in paper mills and and processing plants and things of this nature. So they know they're trying to create a closed circuit environment because they know they're generating the most. I mean, how many times have you gotten the package from Amazon and it's something this big, but it's in a box like this? Well, Will, I've been boycotting Amazon since they canceled those who can't. So oh, I understand. don't worry about it. <laughs> haven't gotten a lot i like for all of the (laughs) terrible crimes amazon has done in the world adams Nothing wrong Adam's with the company. Love the their style. Truly. But they, they passed on those who can't. And the I pettiest. Can't uh, I love it. Wow. So that, that material gets separated, and then that material has high recyclable value. And then the containers that bounce backwards, those are all heavily recyclable. And natural HDPET, which is kind of like your milk jugs, anything that has kind of like a milky kind of look, the plastic. The number ones and number twos, right? Right. Yeah. Those have high value. Your water bottles have high value. But the thing that I can say most is try to take the cap off because what happens That's what I was going to ask about. Yeah. It's just better because what happens is that that piece gets compressed and as it goes across the sort line and it goes to a robot, the robot has to be able to pick it up. So when it when it sees the plastic bottle if it's flattened it's much easier to grab. If you leave the cap on it tends to retain air and it just kind of rolls around and it just creates havoc. I mean, it'll get picked, but oh, it please just, tell it, me your video footage of these robots playfully trying to pick I mean, up I can one of these water bottles. And show you a video. <laughs> this is frustrating. This is adorable. So <laughs> it just. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, oh. But I, I am curious about that exact thing. Like, 
okay, say on your standard water bottle, mm-hmm. I always remove the cap, but like, you know, there's that little sort of on the neck, there's a little piece of plastic. Do you pull that off? No. Do you pull the wrapper off? It's mainly just to get the air out of the bottle. So it's just easy. It's just easier and it just processes much easier. And, and the reason that we got away from plastic straws was because it was going into the fines material and there's no real way to segregate those plastic straws. It's very hard because they roll around. They, they're not very, you know, it's just hard to collect them autonomously. So it's, it's you know, you're not going to pay someone to stand there and pick plastic straws. Now, the paper straws, obviously, they, they can go to composting. They can go back into the paper mill. So I know they're a pain in the ass and I know they suck. But listen, you're, you're doing a good thing because half of that residual ends up in the landfill. So every time you use a plastic straw, it... It, it doesn't go anywhere but the landfill. There's no end of life for a plastic straw. And that's why there was so much kind of motion behind it. Plastic bags, the reason everyone's against plastic bags, they have no commodity value and they wrap. So a lot of MRFs use what's called a disc screen. So those disc screens spin. And what happens is it catches like the handle of the plastic bag and it just wraps around the shaft. So there are MRFs in the country where every two hours they have to shut down and cut all the plastic bags off of that screen. So it slows down production. It slows down the process. So it's a pain in the butt for the processors. And that's why they kind of got behind banning. That's right. skip all money. Then it becomes financially untenable. Exactly. Yeah. I skipped the middleman. I just feed mine directly to Pelican's. Uh, down, at really? Mead Res- down at Mead Reservoir. <laughs> you got a lot of trouble for doing that, haven't you? Pelicans at Mead Reservoir? They can digest them just fine. Um, here's some birds. Here's something I <laughs> I heard, and I was wondering if it was true. I heard that if your recycling is not washed and totally clean, it, it gets put into the landfill so yes so it is good to wash out your tin cans wash out what like if you open a can of tomatoes or things like that just rinse it out it takes two seconds throw it in the thing because what also happens is that attracts when you go to like a facility you'll see all these millions of birds it's not because of the plat it's because of the organics that are in the the waste so in single stream, you do not want to put any kind of food product, even like I know people just throw their, oh, well, I'm throwing it into the, the purple bin. It's a plastic container. Yeah, but you've got a half a sandwich in there that attracts rodents. It attracts, uh, you know, scavengers, things of those natures to these facilities. And if you can, you know, if everybody just took a, a little extra time, it would make it a lot easier to recycle. Now, it's a, this, this when you said in the episode where people don't know where it goes once it leaves their house, that's the problem is educating the masses about the right way to recycle. And I spend a lot of my time on boards of like, how do we, you know, how do we educate? What do we do? How do we reach the people? You know, and it's, it's tough because people don't care. It's, it's gone. Once it's in that bin, they don't, it's, I, I recycled. I put it in the purple bin. Yeah. But did you? Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. That's why we're, we're doing this because like we, I think a lot of people have good intentions, but if yeah. they're just actually, you know, unintentionally causing waste, then they're, they're fucking everything up. So what would be your, big takeaways like take the cap off your water bottles yep uh wash, wash out the wash up. the food out food if it's off. going into the purple bin make sure there's no food that's the biggest thing even if it's even Got if you it. think oh it's just a little sauce it's it's still contaminants and it what it does is it it just has to be processed more down the line so you can't if you wash out the can it goes into a bunker it gets bailed into a steel bale it goes right to a foundry they turn it back into to cans so it, it's a much easier process. Now, if there's organics involved, the material has to be washed, which takes a lot of water, which is a burden on the environment. And the water that is washed off, it has to go through such a heavy filtration process or it just goes into the wastewater treatment facility. So, you know, it, 
it's kind of one of those things. You're you're using more energy to recycle than it costs to make the product, and that's where that's where a lot of people. And I know that you guys were saying like, how what happens to plastic? The biggest thing every year at MIT is what do we do about the plastic in the ocean? So there is a multitude of companies, and you can easily find this on the internet if you if you want to search. There are systems that go out and essentially like rake the ocean, suck it in segregate it so they have essentially recycling facilities on the ocean where they pull it in separate it bail it and create things there's and i know a lot of the problem with the ocean plastic is you know it gets to such a micronic level that you can't see it with the human eye and those that comes from like those i don't know if you remember those body washes that had the little plastic beads and it was supposed to exfoliate you well that that goes into the water i mean it goes in oh shit man we are so smart we are absolutely (laughs) crushing this planet I mean, humans are the fucking worst. Like, we, it's straws. It's straws. It's an unnecessary yes. item. You could, you straws could just drink rule. the Straws rule. All right. No. We can agree they're bad yeah. for the environment. They're a cool invention. Clearly, none of you have to wear lipstick. Come on. Straws are amazing. You could be in there in, like, 1917, the first time you got to drink out of a straw. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I don't mind a little lipstick on the cup. It's sexy. It's a cool thing. Well, that's because you don't dab and you leave a mark everywhere you go. Why don't you blot well, with a paper there. towel, you Philistine? I want you to know I've been there and I've consumed it. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys read any of those links that I sent you. Oh, yeah. I'll put a link to those in the show notes. Those are two companies that I work with that that are kind of driving the future of plastic recycling. One is Fulcrum Bioenergy. They have a plant in Sparks, Nevada. Um, they essentially take in the MSW plastic, the, the stuff that goes into the black bin. So then they they pull out the organics. They get the plastic away from it. Because a lot of the stuff that goes into the black bin, you know, it's what everybody thinks is trash. Not everything gets recycled. People are lazy. They throw stuff in the black bin that shouldn't be in the black bin when really the only thing that should be in the black bin is your your bag of food scraps or anything that can't be recycled. But we all know that, you know, it's easier just to throw it in the trash can and say goodbye to it. So Fulcrum Bio. Hey, food scraps, you can compost. Exactly. And there's a composting program in Denver. Uh, We have a green bin that goes to A1 Organics out in Keensburg. And that gets composted by them. And I've sold them equipment. They have uh, compost turners, screens. They have uh, what's called a hurricane that we sell. And essentially what that does is when food scraps and things come in, it's usually in plastic bags or containers and things of that nature. Um, and this this equipment essentially puts air through it, lifts it, sucks it out. There's magnetic head pulleys to pull any metal out. There's a rock belt that is adjustable incline so we can get rocks out. So what comes out at the end of the hurricane is wood essentially that can go back into the composting process. And the reason that I want, I said something about the composting packaging, it's bullshit. <laughs> what, what? Wait, what? What? Yeah, it's a, what compostable plastics? It's a billion dollar bullshit problem. Because the problem with- comp- Wait a minute, you're talking about like t- takeout stuff that people say it's compostable? And I said, that's what I said to you guys. I was like, I'll drag you out to Keensburg and I'll show you that it's not compostable. Like, and that's, that's a problem. I'm probably going to get fired for this. Before. You don't have to drag uh, us. We are Keens, <laughs> Keensburg guys. Yeah. Andrew, I mean, Andrew's been you'll just find us there. Pelicans in Keensburg <laughs> for 15 years. <laughs> so in a windrow situation, it is not compostable. And when I say a windrow, it's essentially a triangle of material that goes down for a long, like a mile long path. That's a windrow. It looks like a triangle, but it runs the course of the field. And what that does, it sits there and it it cooks. And then we have turners that pull the material that's warm on the inside and put it on the outside so you can control the temperature of it and you cook it. What happens with compostable plastics and compostable containers is when that turner comes through and rotates the material out, 
all that plastic and stuff gets lifted to the outside of the windrow. The wind catches it, carries it away. And then you've got problems with livestock eating it. You've got, it, it's a big problem. Uh, so the same reason this is plastic. heartbreaking. I, that's why I said you guys are going to be more fucking depressed than when we started. Uh, <laughs> compostable to go containers are flying off the machine and being, killing cattle. Being so eaten what? by llamas in Keensburg. So, you what? heard it here first. <laughs> Fuck. So oh, God what, will. So what we, what, when it does work is what's called in-vessel composting. So when material it's put into a bunker, it, the door is closed. It stays in that container for 21 days. The temperature is controlled. The moisture is controlled. Everything is controlled. And that material, that compostable package can break down. That material has to stay at 190 degrees for at least, at least 20 days to break down past the point of what it is currently. If it doesn't, it doesn't break down. So then you so have it, so it will compost, but it's a matter of where it's, it's, it's how going. you compost it. That mm, it, yeah. and, and that's so, the thing. Yes, it's compostable. Yes, it breaks down, but it has to be composted this way. And our green bins go to Keensburg, which it, where it's not composted that way. I, I'm not saying that. You didn't. I didn't. I didn't say that. I never said that. Did you? Did you hear me say that? I didn't say that. Uh, well, wait a minute. Would it be better then if I get a compostable takeout carton to put it into the recycling? Yes. Or- because then it can be sorted and put back into compostable products. This is huge. So that right yeah. there is good. like just I make sure it's clean of organics. Could of I put wash it? Wash it off. Wash it off. Yeah. I have a compost tumbler. Could I put it in yes, there? Yeah. Will it not get hot enough? No, I, it'll, it'll just take longer to break down because it, it, it'll it just stay in there longer. Okay. With your tumbler, I mean, unless you break it down and like cut it up into like smaller pieces, then it'll break down faster. Okay. That's a problem. But we a lot of... So in Kingsburg, they shred material. And, and so you can you, go to his organic tumbler. Sorry. Right. I just want to tell the fans that you can go by Andrew's house and put stuff <laughs> in his <laughs> tumbler. <laughs> Uh, at any time. I mean, somebody's got yeah, to because yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting it exists. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, damn, Will, that's crazy. That was a bombshell you just dropped. Wow. But there, are, heard. You, yeah. there are ways to do it, and, key, and A1 Organics is very good at it. They, they have a way that they make sure that, that it, it gets composted. It has to be broken down to smaller pieces because once it's smaller pieces, then it breaks down much faster. So they shred. And what they do is they bring it in, they put it through a shredder, it breaks that material down to smaller sizes so that when it goes into the windrow, it's it's in the material, it stays in the material, and it breaks down much faster because it's smaller. Katie and I are like nuts about recycling and trying to do it as good as possible. Would it be would it be helpful for us to cut up those organic uh, compost, you know, into smaller pieces or no? It, it, it's getting processed, so it, it doesn't really matter if you do it or if A1 okay. does it, so. Okay. Cool. But I know I wanted to touch on this because I know we have to wrap it up here soon. But um, there are companies that are taking plastic in and putting it back through a combustion process and turning it back into fuel. United has invested 50 million in Vulcan Bioenergy. BP has invested 50 million. So there are companies trying to find end of life for the plastic. And one way is turning it back into jet fuel. So Vulcan Bioenergy has approved the technology. They have proven that they can do it. It's just a matter of getting everyone on board and building the facilities around the country because logistics is the killer in recycling. If it had, like we are in Colorado, it's really tough to get recyclables to a place that recycles them because we're so far away from anything. Andrew said, like, you leave Chicago, you don't see anything till you get to us. It's it's that way. I mean, it's just very far. And you have to truck this shit. And it costs money to truck it or put it on a rail yeah. or things of this nature. It costs money. And that's what I was saying in the beginning of the show. Like, if there's no money in it, no one's going to do it. No one's going to be like, yes, I'm saving the world. And I lost my savings. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. 
you, it seems to me, and you go there all the time, that Europe's much better at this, correct? Yes. And the reason for that is because there's no landfills. There's no landfills in Europe? Here in really? Colorado. What? No. What? no land, land is so expensive in Europe that it doesn't make sense to build a landfill. Everything has to be recycled. Now, saying that though, countries like Sweden, they burn, they have waste to energy plants. So they buy a lot of waste out of Europe and burn it in their waste to energy because they don't create enough waste to fuel the plants. Hmm. So they're bringing in waste from out of the country. Wow. The other thing too is they're far, they're 15 years ahead of us in technology. That's why I sell European equipment because we go over to a big show called EFAT, which is in Munich, and it's every single recycler uh, manufacturer in the world. And they, it's a huge show. There's probably 180,000 people at it. You and should we, go to these parties. It. Holy shit. I mean, the after it's, parties. It's called a disco, Andrew. <laughs> it's a disco. <laughs> I was okay, hanging Greta out with these guys at DJing. C&D just getting bombed, just oh. getting absolutely hammered. Yeah. All right. I used sorry. to be way skinnier before I got into this industry, and that's mainly because of the drink. <laughs> <laughs> that well, that is crazy. You, it's the salesmen that have to eat the organics that you don't wash off <laughs> yeah. of, your, of your plastic. So Will's just going to yeah. take that on the chin. So, yeah. when... so there are companies out there that are finding solutions. And, and with Europe being so far ahead of us, we're constantly looking to Europe for what the next technology is, what the next groundbreaking. Another company based out of the Netherlands is called, or no, sorry, Germany, is Biofabrique. So they have a smaller system that can go in the back of like large manufacturers, uh, someone like an Amazon or a Walmart or things of that nature. You can put plastic into it and you can make essentially usable, uh, mobile, um, marine diesel. So then you can sell marine diesel back to like the ports. You can sell it to, you know, any uh, boating marinas, to things of that nature. So fishing industry, to the commercial fishing full industry. circle. Uh, so why is it such a disaster then if this is like doable? Because it's, it's just it's not, it's not, it's what the media wants you to think. It's, it's, it's clickbait. It's clickbait. Oh my God, we're going to die. No, we're not. We got it. It's all just be cool, baby. Be cool. Like, <laughs> Wait, so that's your, that's what you're telling our listeners is that it's all fine. Yeah. Just keep recycling. Yeah. Just we're, we're on it. We got it. We're taking care of it. <laughs> well, this has been a hell of an you episode. You are a good we'll salesman. <laughs> roller coaster. What a roller I, uh, coaster. Of- <laughs> I love oh, it. But the biggest I, thing is education. If, if just wash out your products, try, try and be, cognizant of what you're putting in what bin don't just like oh oh who cares it goes into the black bin it goes in the black bin i never see it again it that has a a very long road until it's recycled if it goes in the black bin this sounds crazy straws are the fucking worst don't use plastic they're just there's no end of life for plastic straws and that's the problem except for a necklace for a turtle uh (laughs) yeah it's very interesting i this is perhaps very naive of me but i always kind of assumed that recycling programs were just kind of benevolent programs run by the city like oh yeah like the city of denver just has this kind of i wonder if and this is sad but i think it would probably be true if part of educating people in capitalist america would be like hey this is a very lucrative industry that people are like making money on when you recycle people are making money it's like a big business if people might respond sadly better to that than this idea that it's like oh it's a bunch of volunteers down next to the dump uh hand cranking this shit into new bottles or something 
Uh, I wonder if that might help as well. Because I, I mean, think- that, that, there's uh, every single MRF in in every spot of the country has what they call education centers. So they they bring in schools, they bring in colleges, they bring in anyone who wants to know how the materials are recycled, and they show you essentially the lifespan of a plastic bottle and what what it goes through to get to the end of its life. Um, so there is programs available, to, and and I know that people think, oh, it just go you know goes away. But the city does large pilot programs. So the composting program started by Charlotte Pitt was in 2010, and it didn't get approved until almost 2014. So it goes through a very long process of proving that we can process it, we can we can take it in. There's not too much contamination. Uh, there's not a lot of headaches we have to deal with. The logistics work. There's a lot of financial. Stress testing, if you will, you know, if we can handle Hurdles, it. Does it, it. Yeah, yeah, does it make sense? Is there an ROI on the equipment that we buy? And that's what I do most of the time is prove to guys or girls, whoever owns the system, that they this is what the ROI looks like. This is the return on investment. You will spend three to five million with me, and in three to four years, you'll have your money back, and then everything past that point is profit. And a lot of people that as if they can find and market commodities, it's a no-brainer. They're buying wakeboards and boats and hose and all that stuff i'm i'm sold adam ron we pull our yep. money we get one of these robots from my backyard <laughs> we start we start an operation um you want a heavy picker or a fast picker andrew yeah. which one's less terrifying for kids seems like a fast pick guy don't you think yeah fast pick and um, you are a fast pick guy i had a question and, and now it is uh evaporating from my mind oh it wasn't a question it was a statement i kind of wish that colorado <laughs> 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 I'm on the edge of my fucking seat over here. I was a city I, council meeting. I, I have of, a question, <laughs> and now my three-minute statement. It's not even a three-minute statement. Relax. It's just a comment. Uh, I wish that Colorado did what San Francisco does, where your landfill bin is tiny. It's like the size of a milk carton. If you want to put shit in the trash, they give you you barely can, any you real can, estate for it, and then everything else. Is the sort of it's like you you don't give people a choice if they want to sort shit or recycle it or not. They literally don't have the real estate to put shit in the trash. Well, and that's the thing with San Francisco. The closest landfill is probably 120 miles away, so it's, it doesn't right. make sense logistically to haul that stuff all the way out to a landfill. So it's it's same thing. In so the that's area. the same saying money wise, we can't afford to haul more trash for you. Right. So make this work. Yeah. yeah, and they're very good. San Francisco is one of the leading uh, cities in the country for recycling programs and and how they do it. And there's a great company there called Recology that does a lot of the recycling for the city. San Francisco Scavenger, uh, Huskies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they put those Huskies out to sea. It's not. It's not a Husky. Friend. It's this dog I'm watching. Kiwi. Uh, be cool. All right. Kiwi. The dog's name's Kiwi. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Got cool. It. Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this has been so important. I have more questions, but producer Ron said we had to wrap it up. No, you can ask. Yeah, you want to ask a couple more? Go ahead. I it's just fine. have more. Like for me, it's day to day shit that I want to do more effectively. Mail when it comes in, should you rip out the little sleeve that's plastic mm. that you can see the address? It goes through a processing where that material, that plastic material, is pulled out on the front end of a of a, pla- of a paper mill. Um, um, you can if you really want to get down and dirty, but honestly, there's processing that. Uh, allows for that material to come into the stream. You just saved so, me a lot of time. Wow. Right. This is right. huge for Adam. <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting there pulling all those little things out, throwing them away, Whoa. putting the just straight car, you know, paper. And, and the problem is, is if you dude. do that, Adam, it's so static energy that it'll just stick to something else. 
and it, it'll probably never make it to where it's supposed to go because it probably most likely it'll stick to the side of your bin. It'll stick to whatever's in your bin. It's, it's just got such so much static energy that it just, it's better to just leave it where it is and let the. Wow. Process. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. When I jumped on the call, you were already talking about this. You mentioned something about how uh, Colorado could create tax incentives to help uh, these programs as well. Is that something that Colorado is like behind on? No, no, it's 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 like I said, we're so far away from commodity markets that it, what I was saying is if we can get legislation to give tax credits to companies who are essentially taking material in and processing it and making new material out of it. There is a company uh, that's working on taking plastics, any kind of plastics, and they're developing a brick or it can be anything really, but they're, uh, the brick has- Like a brick you could build a home with type of Exactly, thing. and it's got a higher density than concrete. So it can handle more pressure. It's, you know, no water can breach it, things of that nature. So there are, there's plenty of things coming up that you'll start to see. Like, I mean, if you think about it, plastic decks, Trex deck. I mean, that, that material takes a lot of plastic that is, you know, coming out of the waste stream and they're building, you know, deck material out of it. What's the best American city at recycling? San Fran? Who, who crushes it? Uh, and where does Denver rank? Uh, <laughs> 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 I know we're not good. Like, think rank we're- every city right now. <laughs> Top 50, go. Um, Top 100 cities recycling, I mean, go. When they, when they look at like who, I mean, if you think of New York City, honestly, because there, there is no, I mean, they're hauling waste all the way into Pennsylvania from New York City. So there are massive facilities in Brooklyn that are, processing and there and new york city probably has the most recycling facilities per capita wow crazy that's the same thing there's no landfills close so everything has to be everything has to have an end of life so it's very they're very cognizant of you know like you said but to answer your question andrew you can call uh 311 and request a smaller black bin you don't need to have the big one uh, if you oh my ass you're ever recycling. Over Berkeley, i'm talking it, about my neighbors i'm trying to force oh. them to <laughs> oh godspeed sir <laughs> Well, I mean, this has been really helpful, Will. I think we probably should wrap it up. So okay. no worries. Burn burn the landfills in your city because they're poison and just get, don't give them the option. That's your main, main tip. Go burn the landfills and take the caps off your plastic and wash the, wash that food off. Well, thank you so much, Will. This was uh, very informative. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I was really excited to do this. So. It's refreshing to get the facts for once. Wow. I know Ben is so full of shit. <laughs> And to have someone here who knows stuff and is not just like guessing, but confidently guessing to try to fool you. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you, you for all. actually trying to save the world versus yeah. us bullshitting each yeah. other. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Good job. Good job, Will. And congrats on having a job, period. Wow. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> pretty <like>? inspiring. <laughs> Which, which one? Uh, <laughs> I've got multiple. And if, and if you're uh, listening to this and if you've ever heard any of our other episodes and you wish that we had chatted with a, a professional about it, let us know. Hit us up yeah. on uh, social media or on uh, Patreon, wherever you hear this, and we'll try to find we could try to find other other pros out there. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this. Will, thanks for being here with us. Uh, we'll be back next week with a regular episode full of Ben Roy's ignorant bullshit. <laughs> But we really appreciate you being here and being so professional, Will. Until then, Andrew, you want to take it? Play us out, Charlie. Did I do it right? (laughs) You nailed it. Swish. Swish.